Welcome, my friends, to the That's Ball Folks podcast. I'm your host, Josh Reynolds. This is episode 40. I am joined by special guest Mason Gordon, the founder and creator of Slam Ball, which is back this weekend, Friday, the 21st, on ESPN for the first time in 20 years. Amazing. Very awesome conversation. Such a cool dude. And really excited for you guys to hear that. Also have Jer back on for another uh, Brotherly Love and Hate segment. That's that's what's going on this episode. <laughs> How's everybody doing? There are a few topics that I just wanted to touch on before I lead right into those conversations. And we're going to start off at the top with somebody who I've talked about the last couple episodes, and he deserves every single ounce of credit that he's getting, is Cam Whitmore, former Villanova stud. Now he's on the Houston Rockets. He is the Summer League MVP. He is absolutely balling out, and we're going to start talking about him because, uh, again, he deserves it. There were 19 teams that passed on him. Now, I, I've talked about this several times just with some friends off off air about, like, what happened? Yes, there were reports about medical issues. Yes, there were reports maybe he just had bad interviews. This is what I genuinely think happened. I think that teams did not expect him to be on the board. They thought that he was going to be a lottery pick, which clearly he should be already. You can say that already now, this soon after the draft. I think that they were like, well, hold on. We either take him or we stick to our draft plan because we did not expect him to be here. We've got a strategy. We're going in. We're going to execute. And it looks like that's what 19 teams did before this. And he fell to the Houston Rockets at 20. He is a stud. Every definition of the word stud describes Cam Whitmore. Now, look, I try not to overreact, right? It's summer league. It's early. I get it. Whatever. I understand all of that. But you, how can you not be excited about what you've seen from Cam Whitmore so far? I hope that people have actually watched summer league. If not, just seen highlights, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Dude's averaging 20.4 points a game, 5.6 rebounds, 3 steals. He had 8 steals the other night. We talked about that last week. He's playing in the Summer League Championship tonight against Cleveland. He is balling. I don't know, man. I really, really like him. And I will say this. I was talking to my brother-in-law about this um, just the other night. Thank goodness. When, when players fall and they get to the later end of the first round, it gets scary because good teams have later picks, right? So I was fully expecting this dude to land on somebody like L.A. or land on a, com- uh, a contender, which would be an absolute nightmare. And I am glad that he didn't. I'm glad that Houston was like, uh, why the hell is he here at 20? Let's take him. I am glad that there were 19 teams that ignored the eye test of what this dude can do, as my guy Ekram at Ball Don't Stop said. Uh, tweeted out today like he is going to be awesome three level score he can shoot it now he's pissed because he fell so deep into the draft I really really like him I think that he is going to crack that Rockets rotation right away I think he's going to push some dudes who are already established on that team make things uncomfortable and all for the better Houston got a steal I said that early he's looking like the steal of the draft uh, uh good for Houston I've got some Houston Rockets Twitter buddies, and I tweeted at them like 10 times already because I'm so stoked for them. They had such a great draft. It makes me really happy. And I don't know, just good things all around in Houston. Somebody else I wanted to touch on with Summer League is Imani Bates. 
everybody knows Imani Bates' story right out of high school, like one of the biggest recruits ever compared to Kevin Durant right out of the gate. Ends up committing to Memphis and Penny Hardaway. Things don't work out for him at all there. Um, it could just be a fit thing. Who knows? But he ends up going to Eastern Michigan, gets in trouble off the court with some gun stuff, which is obviously a terrible thing. You never want to see a young dude get involved with stuff like that. That solely is why he fell so deep into the draft. Like we talk about deep into the draft with Cam Whitmore going at 20. Uh, No. Amani Bates went in the second round, picked 49 to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He also is playing in the Summer League Championship tonight. And he also is absolutely hooping. He is the definition of a three-level scorer. In the game, just barely uh, against Brooklyn to send him to the Summer League Championship. Had 20 points. He was 8 for 13, 4 for 5 from 3, had 7 rebounds. Also have to give a shout-out to our guy Sam Merrill, the pride of Logan, Utah, Utah State alum, who is also tearing it up, lighting it up from downtown for the Cleveland Cavaliers Summer League team, and that's pretty cool to see. But Amani Bates, man, here's the scary part. Eh, I don't know if you want to say scary. It's just something that you don't really like to see, kind of have to shake your head about. Somebody who, again, got in trouble in the past, had some gun stuff. He mentioned earlier today, Switch Cultures tweeted out an interview that they had with him. He mentions Ja Morant and Miles Bridges as two of like six players who have taken them under their wing. Not necessarily the greatest role models. Not somebody who you are pumped about if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers seeing uh, him kind of go under their wing. He also mentioned Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, and Carmelo, who you are happy about. That's good. But Amani Bates, man, stud, 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 stud. He is averaging uh, 17 points a game, six rebounds a game. And again, he's just smooth. He is a hooper. We talk about it all the time. He is the definition of a hooper. Like tw- uh, NBA Twitter loves him. Steal, 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 steal in the second round of pick 49. Amani Bates, awesome. It wouldn't be right if I didn't mention Jazz draft pick Keontae George as well. Rolled his ankle pretty bad, so he sat for the last few games, but talked about him last week. I also think he is going to be an absolute stud, big-time scorer, big-time shooter, even as a little guy. I really, really like Keontae George, so it wouldn't be right if I didn't say anything about him. This is probably the most—there were two exciting things that happened this weekend. This one probably was the most exciting, and that was in the WNBA All-Star Weekend— uh, Sabrina Ionescu, who I love, again, gave a, a college jersey of hers away um, on on Twitter not too long ago. She goes out in the three-point contest and absolutely dominates. She went 25 for 27, missing two shots, hitting those like they're sponsored by Starry, that drink uh, that was like a techn- like four-point or whatever, hit both of those, was unconscious. She hit 23s in a row. It was unbelievable and of course because she's a woman there are idiot trolls out there who try to knock on it and say oh the ball's smaller oh the three-point line's closer all that crap if you enjoy basketball then you enjoyed watching what she did if you didn't i tweeted this you're a miserable you don't have a lot of things to be happy about in your life b you need some help that could definitely be the case c you probably don't have a lot of friends You just like to get online and complain a lot. And D, you don't understand or love the sport of basketball. She went out there and shot the lights out. What's not to love? You all of a sudden had to make this like, oh, well, it's not as cool because she's a girl. What? Just enjoy it. 
She's a hooping dude. She's just shot the lights out. I don't know. It really, really bothers me. And then people are like, oh, well, it's because they're comparing the NBA to the WNBA. It's basketball. I don't care that the ball is smaller. I don't care that they don't shoot from NBA range. Speaking of NBA range, those two starry sponsored shots, those are NBA range shots. I doubt any anybody complaining about this definitely didn't watch the WNBA game or highlights of it. She shot a four-pointer, which they incorporated. She hit three straight of them. Those are from NBA range. Bugs me, man. Really bugs me. These are the same people who are like, oh, lower the hoop down to eight feet. It's like, uh, you're all, you're miserable. You know who you are. If you're listening to this and you're balling your fist up right now or, or you've already changed it, you know who you are. <laughs> It's unbelievable. I loved everything about it. Steph Curry, of course, gave her props. Like everything about it was amazing. I hope that they actually have a shootout. I think it would be really cool to see. I think everybody would love that. Shout out to Sabrina, man. Hooper. Shot the lights out. Best three-point contest performance I've ever seen. That's not an exaggeration. Now, speaking of Steph Curry, man, he had quite the weekend. Everybody saw that clip of Steph hitting that hole-in-one, which was awesome. But that was followed up with a walk-off eagle putt on 18 to win the tournament in Tahoe this weekend. He is awesome. He's like a one handicap, so he's like a real golfer. I didn't watch it, but my brother talked about it, uh, about watching the match of him and Clay versus Patty Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And Jared was like, yeah, he was terrible. They all were terrible. But you watch them this weekend, it's like, oh, no, he can really play. He can hit it. And clearly he did it this weekend. What an awesome showing. That tournament is pretty fun to watch. There are a lot of cool names and big names, celebrities and stuff. And again, in this weird little lull period, we talk about it with Jer coming up later in the episode, but awesome. Sabrina went in the three-point contest. Steph Curry went in the Tahoe tournament. Also, Steph Curry's got his documentary coming out on Apple uh, this weekend. Same day as Slam Ball this weekend uh, on Friday called Underrated. I was lucky. I talked about it in an earlier episode. Me and, me and my boy Zach came out from New York. We went and saw it at Sundance. It is awesome. It's everything that you wanted a Steph Curry documentary to be. And I'm excited for everybody to watch it. We'll probably do a little film review thing um, with my guys from Sweet Film Talk on that documentary because they were there for the uh, the release of it as well. Tanner and Keeks. Excited for it. Anyway, Steph Curry. Awesome. I'm not even going to mention Joel Embiid's comments. Like, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not overthinking it. He said today, hey, I just want to win a championship, whether that's in Philly or somewhere else, I just want to win. He said things like that before. Of course he wants to win. That's great. I'm not thinking it. I'm not even giving it two seconds of my thought. That's it. Just had to talk about it for a second because I know a lot of you would be like, hey, what are your thoughts? I'm not going to give you my thoughts. I don't think anything of it. I don't think they're going to trade him. Whatever. Not mentioning it. Without further ado, let's lead into my conversation with Slam Ball founder Mason Gordon. Let's go. Today, I am honored to be joined by the creator of the sport making its long awaited return this Friday, known as Slam Ball. The founder of the sport himself, Mr. Mason Gordon. Mason, how's it going, my friend? It's going great, Josh. How cool is this? <laughs> I can't believe it. We're so excited. We're relaunching Slam Ball this Friday, the 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on ESPN. 
I, it's, it's an unbelievable, unbelievable development. And uh, it's 20 years of like grinding to get to a point. The original vision for this sport was for it to be live, engageable, bettable. And uh, we're taking that box. We're going live. I cannot wait. Amazing. It, I, I'm excited to dive into it and chat with you about all the details of everything because slam ball, slam ball has kind of been one of those things where I think the majority of people, especially in today's social media world, have seen it, seen clips and things on TikTok, on Twitter, Instagram reels, things like that. So to be able to have it relaunched and actually have live games in front of us, I mean, I, I'm stoked. I can only imagine how you feel about this. It's it's kind of amazing. Slam ball is like kind of taken on this mythical quality yeah. over time because most people know it uh, can, in the contemporary sense from all these different social media clips that have made the rounds. And what's bizarre is that somewhere along the line, we captured the heart of the internet and they, they've been sending these 20 year old slam ball highlights viral week after week, after week, after week, as recently as yesterday. Yeah. So the fact that people are just so into something like that on the internet, because you know, on the internet, nothing's, that interesting is more than a few days or a few weeks old. Um, mm -hmm. So for 20 year old sports highlights to get so much interest and so much support and the hashtag bring back slam ball movement happened totally organically without us. We weren't posting anything. It was wow. overtime elite. It was barstool sports. It was Jason Tatum. And these were the people that were posting like bring back slam ball and the excitement and, and the media that was, uh, associated with that hashtag got over half a billion views. Wow. So we're like this, this is it. This is the timing's right. Let's, uh, let's go out there and see who's interested. And lo and behold, everyone was interested. <laughs> so that's, it's kind of amazing. And, uh, I'm, I'm just pinching myself and for us to have a four week run on ESPN platforms that includes ESPN, ESPN two and ESPN plus, um, you know, you got to think we're doing something right. The amen to that. You're doing a lot of things right. The uh, the hype and the traction, like you said, just it's to go viral once is unbelievable, but to have it continuously happen with clips as old as 20 years old, I mean, that's just it's crazy. The people want it, and you're giving it to them, and it's back I, I by popular wait. demand. Back <laughs> by popular demand. Let's go. I actually think that that's the only real pathway towards long term viability on the sports landscape. You know, it's yeah. like. It's the sports that have an impact and then kind of fade and then come back by popular demand. That's what happened with MMA. That's mm -hmm. what happened with action sports. And that's what happened with esports. And those are your big 21st century success stories in sports in terms of long-term viability. So Slam Ball is uniquely kind of positioned to follow in that success path. Yep, you're you're absolutely right. So we'll, we'll chat about the re-debut, if you want to call it that. Um, but before we do that, I want to learn a little bit more about you and, and you can tell the listeners, I mean, oh. you, yeah, absolutely. You're the founder of the sport. I, I would love to kind of know, I mean, what is your basketball background? Like, did you grow up playing it? Is, is this, obviously we'll talk about how you came up with the idea and everything, but is, uh, is it something that you just grew up and you just were a hoop head and loved it or, or what did that, what did that look like? I definitely was. I was a gym rat. I played basketball and I played football. Mm -hmm. And 
what was interesting to me is that I love the physicality of football, but then I would like get to be physical and then I'd have to sit around, stand around for like a minute waiting for the next play. So I never really liked the cadence of football, but I love the physicality. And then I love the cadence and the, the fluidity and the athleticism of basketball. But when you get slapped on a wrist, you're like crying to the ref for a foul. Mm -hmm. And I always had it in my head. It's like, mm, these are not quite right. Is there, is there something that mixes the best of these sports? And then uh, growing up, I saw UFC and I'm talking, what are we at? Like UFC 291 yeah. or something? Well, I'm talking about UFC one and I watched UFC one and it was just like, like my mind was incredibly, incredibly blown by, by the first UFC and this concept that like all these different fighting styles could get meshed together into something that young people loved. Mm -hmm. And I knew right in that moment that UFC was going to be the biggest thing. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not a martial artist. I like team sports. So could I take the best elements of basketball, football, hockey, and, and mash them all together uh, and create something that actually worked and actually was viable. And then the other thing, the X factor was that I played video games. So I grew up playing NBA jam and mm -hmm. NFL. Wins. And in both these sports, like the athleticism was over the top. The dunks were super high. The hits were super big. And the whole question was, could you do this in real life? So this was, these were kind of all the elements that came together. And I just had to, I had to get this stuff out of my head and into real life. So I built a court uh, out of spare parts, uh, out of spare gymnastics parts and uh, recruited basketball and football athletes to play together. And that was the hardest part of the whole thing. Yeah. Again, I, I, again being a basketball podcast, I grew up playing basketball, everything through school. And I think I can speak for every basketball, just pure basketball player. I'm a tiny guy, little guard, obviously basketball's physical, but yeah. everybody in school, when you'd have open gym and you would have runs with the football players who weren't basketball players, every basketball player would complain and be like, this is too physical. Like they, they, they don't know the rules. They're just playing too physical. So for you to be able to connect these two worlds and these two sports, I mean, you did it so perfectly, but it, is it true that. Uh, I was reading a little bit about you that you worked at a production company. You were writing like TV episodes, things like that. And you approached your boss with this idea of slam ball. Yeah. Uh, so after college, <laughs> after college, um, I got a job at a production company uh, called Tolan Robbins and Mike Tolan was the principal there uh, along with his partner and Mike was this real sports guy. He was kind of the anti-Hollywood Hollywood guy. Mm -hmm. And he's gone on to do a bunch of stuff that you've seen, like The Last Dance and uh, The Captain and Redeem Team, both of the two of those won Emmys. Yeah. Um, he also did like Varsity Blues and Radio and Coach Carter, wow. uh, which is how we got Coach Carter, the real yeah. Coach Carter, come, come Coach Slamball. And so Mike Tolan uh, was, you know, the head of this company and I walked into his office, mind you, I'm like bringing him coffee and taking out the trash mm -hmm. at the time. But I come in and I'm like, it's going to be a whole league full of Vince Carter's and Tracy McGrady's and Kobe Bryant's and everybody's going to be flying way up here. And uh, he was like, get out of my office. <laughs> and then 
four or five months later, he comes back and he goes, you know what? I can't get your pitch out of my head. I think, I think there's something there. And I think he thought I was crazy enough to do it on my own anyway. Um, so we ended up partnering and, uh, and figuring out how to go into a little warehouse and, and make the first court. That's how it happened. That's amazing. So th- this was, this was what back in 2000, early 2000s? 2000, like 2000. literally the year 2000. And okay. uh, my original idea was like fight club basketball. Like we were basically just going to play on a gymnastics spring floor. Cause mm-hmm. I would see like Simone Biles type athletes, like, you know, tumble, 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 and then go 15 feet in the air. Yeah. Uh, so in my, in my idiot jock head, I thought that the spring floor just made you jump super high. And <laughs> so, uh, and so I had built this whole floor next to like a hoop and I invited all my friends that were, had 40 year old, sorry, 40 uh, inch verticals and that kind of thing. Yeah. And they would try to take off and the spring floor would like off two feet and the spring floor would collapse underneath them. So they could barely get up off, off the floor. And so I was just sitting there ready to cry. Like this isn't going to work. And then somebody took off off of one foot and their whole head was over the rim. And I was like, okay, so I need something where somebody takes off with one foot, lands in two feet, and then goes to the rim. And that's where the idea for the competition spring beds came in. Um, and then once I, once I was on a competition spring bed, I was like, oh, this is totally it. We're going to fill the entire space inside the three-point line with these competition spring beds. And then the players started figuring out how to link different bounces together into more and more complex strategies. Yeah. I think those highlights again, where those players kind of put together those different ideas of taking off from different places. And I absolutely love it. I mean, the, I think that's what is almost so endearing about looking at these clips is nobody has like, they're just going up like recklessly. And it's, it's so fascinating. Again, it like you nailed it when you said I took what NFL blitz was doing. I took these different video games. I'm like, okay, how do we make it like this? Cause that's exactly what it looks like. Well, remember the spring floor Uh that I thought wasn't working. That was actually the silver lining of the whole thing. Because I had the spring floor next to the spring beds, you could come down off the the spring bed, land on the spring floor, and it would absorb all the energy, right? Yeah. And so it was like kind of a couple lucky breaks mm-hmm. along the way. But ultimately, we came out with our North Star, which is everything in the environment is designed to give. So yeah. the floor gives underneath you, the spring beds obviously give underneath you, the pads are there to protect you. And the actually the hockey walls give when you hit them. So it's, awesome. uh, it's a pretty awesome environment to play a sport because you walk in there and all of a sudden you're Spider-Man. You're mm-hmm. like Miles Morales, like bouncing off the walls. And that's a really uh, exciting and addicting feeling as an athlete uh, that you can you can get up to 18 feet off the off the game floor and you know have this entire vertical canvas for your creativity to express yourself as an athlete amazing that is absolutely incredible so er, early 2000s you get this thing ready you've got the idea you've got the core everything set up it's 2002 and you guys make your television debut with spike tv what was that process like for you obviously i'm sure there were probably some nerves inside of your body, like, okay, it's all set. 
now it's on TV. Like what's going on? What was going through your head during that time? You know, I have this weird thing where I, I try not to get too high or too low, uh, in any, in any given situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, sometimes things come along that really test that resolve. Um, but yeah, it was really just, okay, we want to take what we were doing in the warehouse and getting these basketball and football players to play together, which again, was the hardest part of the whole thing. Once that started working and they started meshing, it was like magic in terms of the development of the sport. And Mm -hmm. then we just had to, had to progress to being worthy of like a cable television platform, national platform, because we had a better platform on cable TV than a lot of sports that had been around for 50 years at that point. So uh, for Slam Ball to come out on Spike TV and do what it did uh, was pretty amazing. Just millions and millions of people would seek us out late at night Mm -hmm. in order to get their Slam Ball fix. And back then you couldn't just catch the highlights on, on, um, on YouTube channels the next day, you really had to like stay up late in order to watch this stuff or record them onto VHS tapes or whatever. But people were really, really into it. And then the ratings went up in the playoffs. So we knew that people didn't just care about the highlights, but they actually cared who won. And that was big for us. I feel like in those first couple years on spike tv we like pushed a button in the hearts and minds of millions and millions of fans and we're seeing that play out uh today because everywhere we turn we're running into huge slam ball fans like not just people who are like yeah slam ball was cool people who are like slam ball was my childhood and i'm so excited you're bringing it back and now i'm you know a decision maker at this big brand or this Mm -hmm. sports organization or whatever and that's what's helped drive this thing forward. That's amazing. So you guys have that incredibly successful first season, like you said, on Spike TV, which, by the way, looking back, I'm sure you would agree. But Spike TV at that time, like you couldn't have picked a better partnership as far as, as broadcasting those games. It was amazing. Again, that was childhood growing up was watching those initial games on Spike TV. It was awesome. Yeah, so how great Spike TV nailed it, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Most extreme elimination challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, slam ball. They were doing they were doing it right. Good, good yep. for Spike. They did. They really did. So you fast forward to roughly what? 2008. Um, and you guys are now on, uh, again, similar vibe as like Spike TV versus uh, for those who remember versus channel also i believe they kind of aired on cartoon network is that right Around no the, the big highlight yes we did do that but the big highlight from that uh that period was we put the championship game on cbs wow and when you do that and i'm not cbs sports like big cbs yeah. and what's cool about when you do a deal like that is that they have to give you a ratings projection and say, well, we expect you to do this so that you can go sell it to sponsors, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they gave us a ratings projection of a 0.4. And we were like, why is this so low? They were like, well, you've got the NFL on Fox, which is Cowboys and Giants, and you've got NASCAR on ABC. So you'll be lucky to do a 0.4. And we were, we were a little bit bummed about it, but we were like, hell, let's just put on the best show that we can. And yeah. we ended up doing like a 1.4 overnight rating, wow. which was massive. And that was head to head with the NFL's premier teams yeah. and NASCAR. And we pulled like ridiculous demographics against some of the biggest sports in the world. So 
you know, we knew we knew over time that this thing had real legs um, and that one day we'd get the opportunity to do this like we always wanted to. Amazing. That I, uh, the CBS poll, that's uh, that's unbelievable. Like, OK, so so like you said, you pull those demographics, you have that unbelievable rating. Fast forward a little bit further down the road. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the giant international tournament you guys had in China in like 2012, because that's <clears throat> that's huge. Yeah. So, you know, we had this big success on CBS and I thought we were just great. Let's go. Let's roll right into the next season. But it wasn't meant to be. And there was a lot of complicating factors about that that are based on personalities and people that uh, that, you know, were having specific troubles in their lives at that point. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the, but the reality was that we had to keep slam ball going. I had to find a way to keep slam ball going. So what I ended up doing is jumping on planes with my highlight DVDs and because I had frequent flyer miles and I went everywhere I could and I would just walk into the biggest media company in that, in that country. And I would try to find somebody who spoke English, but most of the time I didn't even need that. I would just show them the highlights and they'd be like, I love this. I want this on our air. And, and they couldn't believe that, like, you know, I was the one hawking it. Right. Yeah. So we ended up taking slam ball to Italy. We took slam ball to the UK. Um, We managed to sell slam ball into all these different markets around the world. And then China actually ended up doing massive, massive television ratings and uh, some promoters out there that we worked with. We ended up doing 15,000 seat arena tours. Wow. We ended up doing, um, uh, building slam ball facilities, having tens of thousands of people, uh, you know, matriculating through those facilities and learning slam ball. And we asked them, we were like, you know, why do you guys like this so much? Cause they'd be here. They'd be on the, on the slam ball court for hours, like filming each other. And they said, uh, we, we put the videos up on Weibua and it gets us more attention from girls. Um, so I was like, okay, all right, that's sports. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Sports check. (laughs) That's so awesome. So is that interactions like that, that you had with these people who are actually out there doing it themselves? Is that what made you believe like, Hey, I'm not letting this thing go. Like, I know that there's something golden here. We're just waiting on the right time. Yeah. You know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, why do you stick with this? Why do you beat your head against the wall? Um, Because a lot of times it felt like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think I'm sort of, I I think my brain is just sort of formulated uh, a little bit differently. Like I have Tourette's syndrome and things like that. Yeah. Um, But the thing that might jump out is, uh, is that I'm ridiculously over the top stubborn. I'm stubborn to the extreme, uh, to the point where it's just like, I, if anybody was going to take this journey, it would probably Mm -hmm. be somebody like me. I think most people would have given up along the way. Um, but you know, I, my, my partner, Mike Tolan, uh, who was there with me since the very beginning and supported the vision through ups and downs and supported slam ball and supported me, hired me for Mandalay sports media. Uh, I was actually like, you know, president of the company for a while there before I left to do this. So, uh, that, you know, people ask me all the time, why didn't you just give up? And the reality is like format, like I'm a big format guy. And like, I'm the guy that'll go to the grocery store and I'll be like, oh, that ice cream, uh, I like that ice cream is going to be a hit because you can see through the packaging to the, to the ice cream and nobody else is doing that. Um, but for Slam Ball, it was like, 
people loved this thing as a real sport, which it was, and a real league, which it wasn't. It was a television show. We would yeah. get all the teams together. We would shoot all the games and we release it three months later. And that's no way to build a sport. The vision for this was always live, engageable, bettable. And for us to be able to be doing this with ESPN, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of a, a, an unbelievable dream come true. Absolutely. You, well, you nailed it. Your patience, your persistence, everything paid off because it, it, this sport, like you said, it, it was perfect because it, it's backed by popular demand. People obviously grew up with it, but today's day and age, like the sport was made for today. Like just the social media world, everything. I, I have to ask you this again, as a smaller guard, almost the, the NBA, right? I'm sure you're a fan. The game has almost changed a little bit. You can blame the Steph Curry's of the world where just the, the three-point shot has kind of taken over. Back in the day, slam ball, it was all about kind of the highlight dunk. Are we going to see a little bit different of a version of the game where there's a little bit more shooting involved? Or are we still, can we still like very much look forward to the good old slam ball that we know and love? Listen, you're, you're going to get a ton of pressure at the rim. You're going to get a ton of high-flying action, guaranteed. Um, but you are going to see like, more of a mix of action, which I think is a really great thing. Yeah. I just don't think that people respect the athletes that can't knock down like a wide open three pointer. You know, yep. it's like, that's not since the Steph Curry revolution, it's like, you got kind of got to have that in your bag for yeah. hoops to respect you. So I'm happy to say that our athletes are the best athletes we've ever had in slam ball by a mile. These guys are really special. And as a small guard, you're going to love one of our star guys, Tony Crosby, who's only five foot six. Oh, wow. Is a absolute show. And uh, he's definitely one of our, our star players and one of our leaders. And he'll be playing on opening night on Friday. So I hope you get a chance to check him out. Won't miss it. Yeah. It's, it's uh it's it's that kind of thing. You're definitely going to see a little more skill, uh, a little more balance in terms of outside shooting. We have a four point line. Um, awesome. which, you know, I think the NBA is going to go to at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're already there. We have a four point arc. Uh, so guys are shooting threes from outside the tramps and then they're shooting fours. Um, but it's, but it's not volume shooting the way you get it in the NBA. It's a secondary thing. So you're going to see a ton of action at the rim, a ton of pressure at the rim, and then kicking out for wide open shooting opportunities or, uh, you know, in some cases, contested shooting opportunities. I love it. That sounds like right up my alley. And I know all my listeners agree with that. That's it. Well, must Josh, watch TV. Josh, if there was a, a knock against slam ball back in the day that I think was fair, it's that you saw the same action over and over again. Right. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, that was because I think we had very courageous players. And when you, when you're an alpha male and you're running down the slam ball court and you're dribbling and you see those tramps, you're going to take off. Right. Of course. And of course. Things gonna change about that, but to be able to like mix it in with uh, high levels of skill, which is what we have now. Uh, I think, I think it's going to be a much more compelling sports offering on the whole. Amazing. I, I genuinely, I'm not just saying this. I cannot wait for Friday. This is going to be fantastic. Well, Mason, truly, thank you so much, not just for joining me here, but uh, thank you for bringing this back. I mean, uh, congratulations on all your success, your persistence. I mean, I, I, again, just as a basketball fan and 
as one of those people who slam ball was a part of their childhood. Thank you for bringing this thing back because I, I genuinely cannot wait to watch it. Thank you so much, Josh. Hope you follow the, the hope you hope you follow the stories through the championship series, and uh, I hope your team favorite team wins. Tony Crosby, your new favorite baller. One hundred percent. This this uh, back of my chair. I'm going to have a Crosby jersey in no time. I know it. That's what's up. Thanks. I love Thanks it, so much, Josh. Thank you, Mason. I appreciate it. Okay, friends, time out for a minute because I want to chat about Griffles Plasma and also about how plasma makes medicines and how every donation you give with Griffles Plasma, it can be used to make up to five different medicines. Now, while there are lots of different plasma medicines used to treat a lot of patients for life-threatening injuries and illnesses, the point is that each time you donate, your plasma can be used to help save lives. Each time, that is huge. Multiply that by the number of times you give plasma, yep, you got it, even more huge. Kind of like Allen Iverson leading the 2001 Sixers to the NBA Finals all by himself. So shout out Griffles Plasma and all their teams across the country. Plasma makes medicines, and a lot of people depend on these medicines. Donate plasma and receive compensation for your efforts today. You can find a center near you at grifflesplasma.com. Tell them Josh sent you. This advertisement is a paid promotion. I want to tell you about the easiest way to get some action on the NBA. It's Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can also pick from Rivals, which pits two players against each other for a head-to-head matchup. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the code TBF24 that's TBF24, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. That's Ball, folks. Brotherly Love and Hate segment is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Co. provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philly. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. Listeners to our show can use the promo code TBF10 for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. Again, that's TBF10 for 10% off anything on the site. PHI Apparel Company, the one-stop shop for Philly sports apparel. Are you sick of spending time caring for your lawn? Have you spent too much time mowing it or even just keeping it alive? You tired of wasting resources and money watering it? If you are like me, the answer is yes to all of those. You should consider artificial grass. Beehive Turf out of northern Utah will transform your yard into looking beautiful all year round. Check out Beehive Turf on Instagram. Give them a call today for a free quote. Beehive Turf, take the sting out of caring for your lawn. Brotherly Love and Hate segment is brought to you by PHI Apparel Co. You guys know the spiel. You know their stuff. Great gear. Great fans of Philly. Check them out. As always, each week, we are happy to bring back my brother, Jeremy. Jer, how are you, man? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Are you feeling full of love and full of hate today? Um, Yeah, I mean, I've seen you multiple times. I think every day this weekend I saw you and your wife and McCall told me multiple times that I was 
I was very negative this weekend. <laughs> so apparently I'm more full of hate than love recently. It's true. Your wife also agreed every time she would say that. So She's going to agree no matter what. So I, I don't know what's been going on, but it's my back. I think it's my back. Put me yeah, in a bad I, mood. Have you even talked about what's going on with your back on no, here? No, there's no time. Well, there's no time for that. Quick, quick, uh, quick little recap, Jer. What is it? A bulging disc? Yeah. Bulging disc. You went to get a cortisone shot slash epidural, which I learned. This is maybe dumb and people know this. An epidural is just a word for a shot in your back, right? Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that. So it's like a steroid shot. Yeah. So you get one. Uh, doctor says, hey, you'll hurt more tomorrow, but within two weeks, you'll feel great. And what? It's been two and a half weeks now. Two and a half weeks, and it's gotten worse. It's yeah, worse no. now than before the shot, so that's cool. Yeah, not great. So anyway, there you go. There's your back update. Maybe it is your back. You're taking out all your pain that you're feeling physically uh, through your attitude. That's got to be it. It's the only explanation. And I'm be. sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> to everyone who who's had to deal with me. <laughs> that might be it. That's all right. Hopefully your back heals. That's all that matters. Thank you. But. You're welcome. But in the moment, it's not all that matters. And we need to hear some loves and hates. So please start us off. What do you have? Two two of each today? Is I got two of feeling? each today. Yep. Okay. Feeling Fant- it. Fantastic. Hit us with your first love. Okay. So since we haven't talked, I haven't been on what, since what? Last, last Sunday or something. Mm-hmm. We missed the MLB All-Star game. Yes, we did. And I love it. I think it's great. I have a great time with the actual game. The home run derby is so fun. Um, and then you can compare you compare it to, you know, the NBA All-Star game, and it's so much more fun to watch. Even the yeah. dunk contest. <clears throat> dunk contest yep. has been so bad. And so I'm glad that at least one league has a good all-star game. Yeah, I agree. That this last year's dunk contest for obviously the NBA all-star weekend was the best part of all-star weekend. Not close. Um, Thanks to Mac McClung. However, it's been a while since the dunk contest was even entertaining and Mm -hmm. uh, going into it, it was like, Oh, there's zero big names in this dunk contest. That sucks. That's where the MLB wins is their biggest names play in the home run derby. Their biggest names are trying in the all-star game. Like, I don't know how you can possibly replicate it, Right in the NFL or in the NBA, but you can't. The, the, the MLB does All Star Weekend perfectly. Yeah, they do, and it's so fun to watch. The one complaint I have is I want them to wear their own jerseys. Agreed. That's what I want. And then I also, in perfect world, we would go back to the winning team gets home field advantage in the World Series. Then they're actually playing for something that was awesome that was Still awesome. fun but that was the greatest thing ever isn't it kind of crazy to think that that actually happened <laughs> like that yeah. was that was what happened for the team that won the all-star game that's crazy i think it's amazing i mean Jeez. it'll never happen again in any sport no no but, but it, it needs to maybe that is the answer like here's the issue with basketball, right? Nobody wants to try because they don't want to get hurt during the all-star game. It's much more physical than baseball. I get all that. But if you made something like, and now with the mid season tournament, who knows what that even is going to look like now? Like, 
with all-star break. I don't know. I we'll find out this next year, but maybe something like that is what is going to take that game actually getting competitive because long gone are the days of like Kobe Iverson East versus West dudes who are actually trying because they like wanted to win. It was like a pride thing that those days are gone. So I don't know what the answer is, but maybe it is implementing something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'd love it. I'd love That's, if they did it. It'd be so much more fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I love the, the all-star game and it, and it, it's just so, it's so hard for baseball players to not like try, like a try. pitcher is not going to yeah. lob it in there. Right. Yeah. They still want to strike the guy out. Batter wants to try and hit a home run. So it's, it's fun to watch in basketball. Like people are jogging around, just launching shots. So true. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. I've, Honorable mention for what I loved was that poor kid in the outfield who got drilled in the <laughs> eye from Vlad's 115 mile an hour line drive. He got drilled. That he was got really sad. Right I, in the I, eye. I saw it live, but I looked away. I thought that like maybe he tweaked his knee, and then when I saw the replay, I was like, "Oh my gosh, he got absolutely drilled." Yeah, yeah. Somebody, that was some, sad. someone tweeted and said it's time for the kids to not be in the outfield, and maybe this is the year that actually pushes that into effect because that ball came in at like one seventeen, yeah, right I, off his head. And I don't know where these kids are coming from, but it's not like they have tryouts. No, no. I, some of them a, probably a lot of the, can't play catch. Well, a lot of the pop flies, there's like 10 people who go try to get it and it just falls to the ground. Like there's no, I don't know. But yeah, I think uh, that poor kid taking one to the noggin probably right. put an end to that, which is kind of hilarious. Also, yeah, sad. And- I saw a po- I saw a picture of him after and he, he seemed fine? okay. Yeah, he seemed okay. Pretty well, bloody. Famous. Yeah, he seemed all right. And before um, that happened, in my mind, I'm like, this I want them to switch to metal bats for at least a round. <laughs> no. You know how you know how if they hit like two over what was it like four hundred and forty feet or something, then they get yep. an extra thirty seconds? Yeah. I want that extra thirty seconds to be with a metal bat. Dude, it would kill someone. Maybe, but you sign a waiver, you know what you're getting yourself into. Everyone who attends, thirty <laughs> seconds of just balls flying out of that stadium <laughs> it, I, it would be awesome to watch but i don't think you could put yeah. people in the outfield um well, yeah it would be amazing also i just want to say this for a sport that does so many things wrong and a commissioner that just does so many things wrong uh they nail all-star weekend which is kind of hilarious but yeah i i'm with you that's a good love we we missed it Thank and you. i'm glad you brought it up that's a good way to start Thanks. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. It's, it's like the, the only good thing about this weird three month period. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a all-star game. So yeah. Yep. I agree. And now plugging it because we had him on uh slam ball slam yeah. ball on Friday. Is that this Friday? The bit this, debuts on Friday. Yep. This Friday, ESPN seven Eastern Uh, it's live live games. So cool. you can bet, you can bet on them. It's going to be awesome. So another a fun and uh, I'm glad you said that because this lull period sucks. All we hear yeah. about is James Harden trade rumors, Damian Lillard trained rumors. We have the NFL going on right now where there is there a worse job in the entire world than being an NFL running back right now. It's no. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's sad. It's so sad with uh, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, 
and Pollard uh, from Dallas, who they all couldn't agree. They wouldn't sign their franchise tag, and I don't blame them. And the teams won't give them long-term deals. It's a joke, man. It's absolutely insane. But, yeah, I agree. This this lull period sucks. So I'm glad we've got Slam Ball. I'm glad yep. that MLB All-Star Weekend is actually fun. Yeah, no, I agree. Yep. All right, hit us with your second love. Okay, second love. I I love these, and I actually just discovered that I've been calling them the wrong name for like 30, uh, 20 years now, 20, 25 years probably. I call them Fruity Tooties, but really they're called Tootsie Fruities. Tootsie Fruities? Yeah, I just looked it up. You know what I'm talking about? They're like yeah, the, uh, yeah, the things the, at the, the arcades. What? They're hold on. What are they called? Tootsie Fruities? Tootsie Fruities. I'll never call them that. Me either. I'm calling them Tootie Fruities forever, my whole life. But um, yeah, you can buy a four pound bag on Amazon for twenty seven dollars, which <laughs> I might do. Um, but yeah, reminds me of my childhood in arcades, and I only eat them after an arc after I like turn in my tickets and buy them at an arcade. That's the only time I ever see them and eat them. And every time I think, I love these. These are great. I- I'm curious if you do get that bag, if you're not going to love them as much. I I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I had them. Four pounds is a lot. Four pounds of anything is a lot. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not gluten-free, but they say very clearly that they're gluten-free. So it's a good snack for people who can't eat gluten out there. That's fun. We've got a couple of gluten-free friends. We need to make them aware of this. That's fun. Yeah. Maybe a good gift idea. Maybe four, here's a four pound bag of pink Tootsie Fruities. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Good love that. Let's lead. You. Let's lead right into the hates. What, what is the first thing you're hating? What's on top of your list this week? Yeah. On top of my list. It happened this weekend and you were, you experienced this with me. I hate the smell of campfire and mm. barbecue. I hate it. So let's let's talk about this in depth because I know you hate I know you hate yes that. I hate do you ha- do you hate the actual smell of it or do you hate when the smell gets in your clothes? It lit yeah okay I don't hate like campfire when I'm in front of a campfire I'm like great the second I walk away I am so pissed that I was by a campfire yep. I'm so mad because guess what I'm gonna smell like that forever yep yep it's in your that- hair. It's like going camping is the worst thing ever because you have to sleep with that. Yeah, it's you have to sleep worst. with that smell. Yep. You you're exactly right. And I'm glad that you clarified because I in the moment, I don't hate the sm- I, I I like the smell of uh, I like I like the smell of barbecue. I don't no. I don't hate it. You do. I love I do. barbecue food, um, but you hate it. And. Yep. I, but I do share the sentiment with you as far as the campfire smell goes. I hate it. I don't even like yeah. it when I'm there. We have a fire pit in our backyard and it is a propane fire pit. And right. I'm very happy. I think you do too. It, I'm yeah. very thrilled because I don't want that smell anywhere near me. And it seems like no matter where I sit around a normal campfire, the smoke follows me and then it seeps into everything and I can't get yeah. it out. Then you have to drive yeah. home and then your car smells like it. It's It's all bad. That's a good hate. Your barbecue one, though, I love the smell of barbecue. No. And for somebody who has the biggest smoker slash grill on the face of the planet in you, I this might be something you need to get over. 
Listen, when I smoked the brisket this weekend, I had an entire change of clothes that I was, whenever I'd go outside, I'd put on those clothes and then I'd come in, change. And then when I'd go out and check it again, I'd change back into it. I, I just can't do it. If for some reason, Tara, my wife wants to go get barbecue, we are not going in. We're picking it up and I'm sending her in to grab it and bring it out. <laughs> that's a hundred percent real. It's that's a real thing. That's and unbelievable. For some reason, if I get tricked into going and they're forcing me to go eat somewhere, I will strategically plan my outfit. So if for some reason it stinks like barbecue forever, I'm fine chucking the clothes. That's that is real hatred. You really hate yeah. that smell. I hate it. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. So all right. Well, that is a uh there is a passionate hatred there for your first hate. What uh it, what what's your second one? What's your last one? Second one, it kind of reminds me of the okay. Remember the hate of the cereal? Where you pour uh, the pour the milk in first before okay. the, the actual cereal? Yes, yes. I imagine the same people who do that do this thing. Okay. And I hate when the toilet paper roll is coming from the bottom and not over the top. Mm. If it comes, if I go to someone's house and it's coming from the bottom, I immediately don't trust that person who lives well, there. What is it about that that you hate? I because don't know. It's not I don't know what like, it is. It's not like it's more work. No, I hate the way it looks. So, so coming out from underneath where it just goes straight down when you yeah, unroll don't, it, don't r- rather than on top where you roll it and it kind of like rolls out towards you. Yeah. Interesting. What do you do? I don't, I think I have done both. I don't no, think you, that. Don't tell me that. No, I'm being serious. I've lived with you multiple times throughout my life. So you probably, if I did it the way you hated it, you would probably have said something. Yeah, I would have. So, so maybe you I, you don't do it. Maybe I don't, but I've never once consciously thought while putting the new roll on of how to face it. Yeah, Interesting. Well, only, maybe, maybe subconsciously I'm the same. Yeah. Well, only monsters do it from the bottom. <laughs> that is, that's a funny thing to hate, especially because you don't know what you hate about it. I hate the way it looks. It's just <laughs> wrong. Some things are just wrong and that's one of them. <laughs> that's really funny. You might be OCD. No. Yeah. I'm not. I, I think doing this segment has made me realize that you have obsessive compulsive disorder. Just you don't know it yet. I think you need to calm down. You're getting ahead of yourself. Listen. It's not a bad thing. I just think that being aware of it is probably important. You can't tell me that people prefer the roll coming from the bottom. I There's no ne- way. I have never once thought about a preference on this topic. And now I'm fascinated to hear. Go, lo- go look in your bathroom. Thoughts. Go look in your bathroom. I'm nervous. I'm right by it. Do you want me to go look right now? Go look. Okay. Stay tuned. Once I'm okay. literally, I'm looking right now. Okay. Hurry. Go. I'll time you. Okay. It's coming from the top. See? There you go. You're in the you're in the clear. Hallelujah. Yeah. I was about to cut you off. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> So you're saying in every one of your ba- what, three bathrooms? In your bathrooms, every time I go in there, 
your toilet paper roll will be the same way where it rolls out on the top. A million percent of the time, it'll be coming from the top. That is hilarious. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to be very alert of this. And no matter where we go, like to families or anything, I will be looking at this. I'll switch it. If I'm at someone's house and it's there, I'll be like, this is wrong. (laughs) I don't trust this person, but I'm going to fix it. And I'll fix it for them. Wow. I Okay. That is a... That is a good way to end it. And thank goodness I'm on the right side of history here. That might've been the last time we ever heard your voice on this podcast. Yes, I agree with that. And I'm glad that, that you chose the right way and coming over the top. And I would imagine that the vast majority of the listeners do the same thing. Oh yeah. You're probably right. But now I I want to know. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see. All right. That's a good way to end it. I'm going to throw this out there because I'm sure other people on here uh, have a preference, uh, people listening to this. So I'll do a little poll on Instagram because polls are fun there. And we'll see what people say. Let me know. All right. Amazing. Jer, anything else you want to leave us with? Or is that it? That's all I got for you. Okay. Another great segment. Thank you for hitting us with those. We'll chat with you next week. Hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Mason and with Jer. Mason, what what a good dude. It's hard not to be happy for somebody who has success like that uh, with them just being the coolest person ever. So tune in. We'll talk about, obviously, the debut next week. Really excited to see it on ESPN, as Mason mentioned. will be awesome. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I hope you all have a fantastic week. Do the whole like, subscribe, review, all that jazz. I really appreciate it. One star, five stars. Again, it doesn't matter. Some exciting news. I launched a Substack. Uh, which is kind of fun. If you'd like to subscribe, please feel free to do so. I will be pushing it on social medias here soon. Uh, Debut story on my friends, Joelle and Talia, her incredible story of battling cancer and how the Sixers actually played a big role in her recovery. So go ahead, take a look. It's all free. Nothing, no, not behind a paywall or anything like that. So take a look. Love you all. Hope you have a fantastic week. And uh, that's all, folks.